Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. Depending on where you live, we're about six weeks into our stay-at-home order. And I'm wondering if during that time, over the past month or so, you have involved yourself in any new activities. And now I'm talking about something you wouldn't even think about doing under normal circumstances. And the reason I asked that question is because three weeks ago, for the first time in my life, I was introduced to the not-so-wonderful world of house cleaning. And now I'm talking about cleaning and scrubbing the bathroom all by myself. Every square inch of the bathroom, including around the toilet. And I guess I'm ashamed to admit I have never done that before. And please uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not a slob. And I have never totally trashed my bathroom. But I definitely was not aware of some bathroom dynamics. And while we're on the subject, uh, let me just say that once in this lifetime, every single guy on the planet needs to experience what it's like to have his own bathroom. And now I'm talking about being able to go into your bathroom, enjoy a little peace and quiet, close the door behind you, and not have to worry about your wife coming in and wanting to use the bathroom at the same time. To me, that's priceless. Doesn't get any better than that. But of course, the downside to having your own bathroom is keeping it clean. And I have to say, I am so thankful. I mean, very appreciative of my amazing wife, who has pretty much handled the great majority of house cleaning and all the responsibilities associated with it for the better part of our 44-year marriage. Can you believe that? Married for 44 years. And Teresa's incredible. She's a hard worker. And because I'm a guy, I know I don't say thank you near enough, but I'm working on it. And I'm trying to do a little bit better. And so, ladies, just so you don't get the wrong idea and are tempted to judge me, I want you to know that I do get involved in some cleaning projects around the house from time to time. All right. Uh, all kidding aside, I'm sure you got a big kick out of that. Uh, back to my bathroom awakening. In order to clean the bathroom the correct way, first Therese gave me a short tutorial on how to do that. She taught me how to clean the bathroom, and then she supplied me with all of the materials necessary to clean the bathroom, including rags and sponges and brushes, soaps and sanitizers. I mean, a whole line of sanitizers. And then I went to work. And about an hour later, that's how long it took me to clean the bathroom. Couldn't believe it took an entire hour. But after I was done cleaning the bathroom, here's what I discovered. There's a lot of nasty stuff on the surface of bathroom space that you simply can't see with the naked eye. There's a lot of stuff in the bathroom. And once I started scrubbing the tile in the shower, 
I was amazed at all of the unpleasant material that just kept popping up. Now, some of it you can see, especially if you wait long enough. Some of it you already know is there because it begins to smell. But then left unattended or unaddressed, there are some rather significant matters that will eventually snowball out of control. And I mean just get worse and worse. And by now, I think that many of you probably guessed I'm no longer just talking about healthy bathroom hygiene. Without applying the clutch, I have suddenly switched over to real-life issues. And left unaddressed and unresolved, over time, some very significant, very important living essentials will eventually begin to decline. And friends, I firmly believe that something the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us over the past several weeks, something the Holy Spirit's been doing in our lives is attempting to perform a deep heart cleansing. And the kind of cleansing where the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on certain issues, spiritual issues that need to be addressed, matters of the heart that have to be recalibrated and reworked. And this kind of thing is happening to me. I've been hearing the voice of the Lord address certain things in my life. I've been under heavy conviction. And since God is no respecter of persons, if it's happening to me, then I would think that God is trying to get your attention as well. And again, this is not for his benefit. This is for our benefit. And so as your pastor, ever since we received the devastating coronavirus news, the very first thing that I wanted to do, my first objective, was to pray for you and to encourage you. Our church staff has done everything that we can to connect with you and to check in on you and to try and help you, lead you through this crisis with peace and confidence and faith in God. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to point you to God and remind you that God is our healer. He's our provider. He's the one who protects us. He's the one who sustains us regardless of what we go through. We're going to continue to support you. We're going to continue to pray for you. And I promise you, we are going to get through this together. However, now that the ship has stabilized somewhat, and the virus seems like it's flattening, I feel the need, again as your pastor, to take the next step and to ask the question, what is the Lord saying to us in all this? What is he saying to us? And what personal matters does God want us to address in our own lives? These are some really important questions for us. And over the past several weeks, time and time again, I have heard countless people say, I just can't wait to get back to normal. I want normal again. And you're absolutely right. It has been crazy the last month or so. And who would have ever believed something like this could possibly happen? However, before the craziness goes away and we get on with our lives, I'm wondering what normal is supposed to look like for a believer. What does normal look like? How do we define normal? How do we identify it? 
I mean, pre-coronavirus. Was that normal? The manner in which we were living our lives before we ever heard of COVID-19. Is that the best that God has to offer to us and to our families? Or in an effort to leverage this crisis, and please note, I didn't say cause it or create it, but in an effort to use it and to leverage it, is the Holy Spirit of God saying, wait a minute, hold everything. There's more to this life than what you have been experiencing. In fact, there is a better way to live. Friend, there's a better way. And if right about now you're thinking, well, if that's the truth, if there is a better way, how are we supposed to know it? And how are we supposed to find it? And if that's your mindset right now, if that's your thought process, then what you're doing is you're re-asking the same question that Thomas asked Jesus over 2,000 years ago. On that occasion, Jesus was involved in a conversation with his disciples. And once again, he was encouraging them to follow him with all their hearts. And in response to that appeal, Thomas asked Jesus, how can we know the way? If you're asking us to follow you, how can we know the way? And do you remember how Jesus answered Thomas's question? You're right. It was another one of those seven I am statements recorded in the Gospel of John. This time, John 14, 6. And in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want you to know this verse, John 14, 6, is a tremendous evangelistic verse. It validates and reaffirms many other Bible verses in the New Testament that tell us Jesus is the way to God. That's the clear message of this verse. And if we want to have peace with God, if we really want to come into that kind of a relationship with God where we know God and we are confident with him, then we have to come to the cross of Jesus. We have to bow our knee before him accept the message that he has spoken to us, confess the lordship of Jesus, and believe that the finished work of Jesus has been accomplished. That's something we have to accept. A work that only Jesus himself could do, the Son of God could do. And this is a story we've been telling all month long. We told it on Palm Sunday. We told it on Good Friday, on Easter Sunday. Last Sunday, Pastor Chris made reference to it as he talked about Jesus being the vine. And this is a really important understanding for all of us, this gospel message. And throughout the month of April, we've had at least 26 people, 26 people that we know of, answer the call and make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I want to know him better. And that's something to get excited about. So yes, John 14.6 is a great salvation verse. It's extremely evangelistic, but it's not just for unbelievers. John 14.6 is for believers as well. It's for you and I. It's for the church. And with it, Jesus gives us tremendous insight 
into the kind of relationship he desires to have with us. And so when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, yes, he meant I am the designated path that will lead to heaven, it will lead you to God, and ultimately to eternal salvation. But in addition to that, Jesus said, I will also show you the way to a lifetime of spiritual purpose and truth. In addition to leading us to salvation, Jesus said with John 14, 6, I will also show you the way to a lifetime of spiritual purpose and truth. So let me ask you again. Pre-coronavirus, before this unexpected pandemic pretty much brought our world to a screeching halt, is that the way that you were living? Were you living a John 14, 6 life? A life of God-ordained purpose and truth. And if the answer is yes, then you're golden. You're good to go. And I would encourage you to keep doing that. But if the answer is no, then why not correct it and change it? And from my perspective, the only good that could come out of everything that we've been through these last few weeks, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the death, is a church-wide renewal and a worldwide revival. And we have a lot of people praying that way. There's a lot of people within the church, maybe you're one of them, that have been praying Second Chronicles 7.14, and you are asking God to do something like we have never seen before in our world. And it starts with you and I, the church, understanding just how important this John 14.6 verse really is. And so in the time remaining this morning, here's what I'd like to do. I want to give you three ways to make living a life of purpose and truth your new normal. Three ways to make living a life of purpose and truth your new normal. All right, the first way, repent of your sins. That's right. Repent of your sins. Now is the time. Now is the time to address all of the compromising loose ends we have hanging around. And you don't need me or anyone else to spell that out for you. You have the Spirit of God operating in your life. And it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that brings conviction of sin. And please note, I didn't say condemnation, guilt, or shame. I said conviction. And friend, conviction is good. Because conviction always leads to repentance. And repentance literally means to change the path you're on and to go in a different direction. A direction that will allow you to fully surrender to God. Now, this might come as a surprise to you, but the first recorded words of Jesus' public ministry are found in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Here's what that passage says. After John, that would be John the Baptist, after John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus, that's right, Jesus went into Galilee 
proclaiming the good news of God, saying the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent. This is Jesus. Repent and believe the good news. How many of you knew that Jesus' very first message was a call to repentance? His first message wasn't about mercy and grace. It wasn't about supernatural signs and wonders or even the unconditional love of God. No, this same Jesus who healed the sick and cleansed the lepers, cast out demons and went about doing good, said the very first thing we need to do, his first encouragement to us, was to live a life of change and repentance before God. Jesus himself encouraged us to change the path that we're on. He said, it's time to search your heart. And if there's anything in your heart that's displeasing to God, anything that doesn't line up with the kind of life that God wants us to live, it's time to make a change. In other words, Jesus said, don't just be sorry when you mess up. Don't just feel bad about it. I mean, we all miss the mark. We know that. Don't just take it in stride. Jesus said, repent of it. Change your direction. And that's precisely what Jesus said to the woman who was caught or taken in the sin of adultery. Yes, he was compassionate and kind. And yes, he extended mercy to her. And he saved her from a bloody and brutal death. However, before he dismissed her, he had some words of advice for her. And it wasn't just, I want you to go and try harder. Jesus specifically said to this woman, go and leave your life of sin. Go and leave your life of sin. That's repentance. And so right now, in this God-ordained moment, as the Spirit of the Lord is moving, what is God speaking to you? What is he impressing upon you? What are you thinking about right now? I appeal to you, don't dismiss it, don't disregard it, but address it. Okay, the first way to make living a life of purpose and truth your new normal is to repent of your sins. Number two, return to the truth of God's word. And when I use the word return, that's exactly what I mean. Return or go back to, or once again focus your attention on. And the reason this instruction to return to the truth of God's word is so challenging, especially these days, is because once again, truth is on trial. Did you hear me? Truth is on trial. Whether you believe it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, we are living in a post-truth society. And by that, I mean many, many people, they really don't care what the truth is anymore. And I'm not just talking about biblical truth. I mean truth of any kind. People today, when they hear the facts about a matter, or when they watch or witness something real with their own eyes, if it doesn't line up with their own narrative, they just dismiss it as being false, even though it's absolutely true. 
And in his book, Saving Grace, uh, one of the best reads on the subject, our very own Abdu Murray identifies the world in which we live in as a culture of confusion. Abdu writes, today those who are confused about sexuality and identity are viewed as heroes. Those who are confused about morality are progressive pioneers. Those who are confused about spirituality are praised as tolerant. And conversely, Abdu says, those who express certainty about any of these issues are seen as bigoted, oppressive, arrogant, or intolerant. And so in this age or culture of confusion, many, many people are responding to truth in the exact same way that Pilate did over 2,000 years ago. And on that occasion, Jesus was face-to-face with Pilate, and just a short time before he was sentenced to death, recorded in John chapter 18 and verse 37, Jesus said, the very reason I was born, the reason I came into the world, was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. They listen to my voice. And do you remember how Pilate responded to the statement that Jesus made? That's right. The famous question, what is truth? Or how am I supposed to know what truth really is? And you know, after Jesus and Pilate had that little exchange, the very next verse tells us that Jesus went back to the Jewish leaders and he specifically said to them, I find no fault in this man, Jesus. Nothing at all that would even warrant or justify a single charge against him. You see, in that little conversation that Pilate had with Jesus, he found his answer. And he was convinced deep down in his heart that what Jesus was saying to him was the truth. He knew it to be true. He witnessed the truth. But he ignored it. He rejected it. He decided that he wasn't going to believe it. And again, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, a passive scripture that Jesus himself spoke, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth. By his own admission, Jesus said, I am the truth. And so if you want to know what truth is, follow Jesus. Listen carefully to what he has to say. Because Jesus is the very word of God made flesh. All right, the third way to live a life of purpose and truth and to make that your new normal is to remember who you are. Number one, repent of your sins. Number two, return to the truth of God's word. And number three, remember who you are in Christ. And for this one, what I'd like to do is just share or read a couple of verses of scripture, and I'm hoping that these verses will paint a picture of who we are in Christ. So just listen to these verses and allow the the anointing of God, the inspirational power of God that comes from reading his word and quoting his word, let that just fill your heart. The first one, 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Here the apostle Peter tells us that we belong to God. We're in covenant relationship with him. That's who we are. We are his chosen possession. And he loves us with an everlasting love. He's called us into his wonderful or his marvelous kingdom. Ephesians 2.6 says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. One more time. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Do you have a seat at the table? Do you have a spot there, a placemat with your name on it? Because that's where you belong. According to Paul in Ephesians, he said that we are part of the kingdom of God and we're seated at the table, raised up and seated with Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors, through him who loved us. Doesn't matter what we're going through. Doesn't matter what we face. Our circumstances don't dictate who we are. We are victorious because of what Jesus has already done for us. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You are like living stones. You also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Another one, Psalm 95 Verse 7, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. What a tremendous shepherd our God is to us. He watches over us. He takes care of us. He knows everything that we need. And one of the most famous psalms of all, Psalm 23, in that psalm it was David who said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He provides everything that I need. And not just a little bit. David said, my cup runs over. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of provision that he makes available to us. More than enough. Galatians 4, 7 says, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Check it out. No longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We are royalty in his sight. We reign with him. And that's what Revelation 5.10 says, the last verse. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Friends, are you getting the picture here? With these verses and many more in God's word, are you beginning to remember who you are in Christ? You are royalty. You are a part of God's family. We are his possession. We're in covenant relationship with him. He loves us with an everlasting love. He is committed to us. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. He loves us with an everlasting love. And he always desires for us to know him that way and to be confident in the relationship that we have. Okay, at this time, what I'd like to do is show a very short clip of the movie Lion King, just a two-minute clip. And during this scene, Simba, the chosen lion, the lost lion, 
he comes to the water brook and he sees a reflection of himself in the water and he remembers who he is. All right, please don't go anywhere. Uh, Take a look at this clip. I'm going to come back in just a few minutes. There's a few more things I want to say to you. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. No, please, don't leave me. Remember. Father. in these closing moments I'm just going to ask you to spend a few moments and take a look inside your heart and just be honest with yourself this is a very serious time right now and I'm going to ask you to do the best that you can to just be able to focus your attention on what the spirit might be doing in your life and saying to you right now when this crisis that we're currently going through is over, and trust me, I promise you, it's going to be behind us. What do you want going forward? Do you want to return to the life that you had before all of this started? Is that your normal? Or are you asking God, are you feeling like God is saying to you, it's time for a new spiritual normal? It's time to live a life of purpose and truth It's time once again to surrender your life to God and to seek him in the way that you might have done it years past. You see, God takes advantage of every situation. The scripture tells us that he makes all things work together for our good, for our good. And I sincerely believe that the spirit of God is getting ready to do something in our day that is going to be unbelievable. I mean, this is what we've been praying about for years and years. 
There are people that have given their whole life to seeing God move in revival fashion. And I, for one, believe it's on the horizon. It's right around the corner. So what do you want? You want your old life back? Is that the normal for you? Or do you want a new spiritual normal? Do you want God to take you to the next level? And if you're feeling it in your heart, if if the Holy Spirit of God is moving in you right now and you're feeling it, then what I'm going to ask you to do is simply take a step toward God. That's it. Just one step. Say, Lord, I'm available. I want to know you. I want to know you as the way, the truth, and the life. And I want to give my entire life to you. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a day or for 50 years. Everybody can take a step toward God. Can I get you to bow your heads? Just try to find a little private spot right now where you can just listen to my voice because what I want to do is I just want to pray a prayer over you. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given to us today. We thank you for this challenging word, Lord, because we believe it to be the word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts, and Lord, we want to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying. And so, Lord, I commit to taking a step towards you. If there was a show of hands asked, I would raise my hand right now. Because, Lord, I feel it in my heart. Not because I'm responding to anybody else. I'm responding to you. And, Father, I'm praying for this audience right now, everyone who's listening, everyone who's watching, that, Lord, we could respond to you in the three ways that I mentioned earlier. Repenting of our sins. Lord, give us the grace. Give us the courage. Give us the strength to identify patterns of sin in our lives, unhealthy living in our lives, and to choose a different path. Not to continue along the same path, feeling bad uh, over our actions, but Lord, to literally get off this road and get on another road. A road of health and a road of faith. A road where we can trust in God alone. Father, I pray for those who are doing business with you right now. Those who are wanting, have a strong desire, Lord, to break some of the addiction, some of the patterns of sin in their life. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that you give to us. Your word says that we confess our sins, we repent of our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, take us back to your word, back to trusting in your word, back to believing your word, Let us return, Lord, to that place. Let us go back to knowing that your word is true and that we make a determination to build our house upon a solid foundation, the foundation of the word of God. Help us to follow after you, Lord. Help us to know that you are the word made flesh and we will put our trust in what you say, not all the other opinions flying around, not all the other thoughts and ideas. Take us back to your word. And then, Lord, remind us of who we are in you. We are a chosen people. We are a holy priesthood. We are the people of God. And I pray, Father, that we would know 
who we are, that we would be reminded that you went to the cross and you died for our redemption. You paid a price to accept us into the family, your family. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.